Hello and welcome to another edition of the Moving Iron Podcast. This podcast is proudly provided by Axon, helping dealers move more iron for almost 100 years. Find out more at axontire.com. Axon was started almost 100 years ago out of a passion for keeping agriculture moving. It's that same passion that drives them today. With a vision for a better experience for both farmer and dealer, they set out to create a better way to move more iron. When you partner with Axon, you get immediate access to a full range of products and solutions designed to meet the complex needs of today's grower. Axon carries all major brands and sizes of tires, wheels, and tracks. From custom colors and sizes to fully customized wheels, you can have the solution for virtually any problem today's farmer is trying to solve. To find more or become an Axon dealer, please visit axontire.com. Moving iron in the 21st century. Hardworking people working hard for you and me. Moving iron time and time again. Through the years you'll find us here. Moving iron. Hello and welcome to Moving Iron Podcast. This edition of the Moving Iron Podcast is brought to you by Axon Tire, helping dealers move more iron for the past 100 years. For more information, go to axontire.com. And this is the uh, once a month sit down. We have a Jesse Peters and the gang over there at, at Axon Tire and talk about what's going on out there as they uh, do their travels uh, from the road and what that looks like. So, Jesse, how you doing, man? I'm doing well. How about yourself? No, I can't complain any. It's uh, dog days of summer upon us here. It's about hot about everywhere you are, except for uh, it's either hot and dry or hot and wet. So, depending on where you're at, it's it's one of the two. And and uh, there's a lot of stuff going on. Uh, the markets are, are kind of going all over the place. We got some pretty good report out yesterday, but for the most part, it really feels like there's a lot of momentum moving out there right now. Yeah, we, we talked to the sales guys today, which again, we've got spread all over the country. And, you know, it, it was a little more positive than I've remembered them talking about here over the last few months. So, uh, you know, knock on wood, we'll, we'll take what we can get. But you know, like we've seen since you and I have been having conversations, that can swing wildly. So I, I don't know if anybody's holding their breath, but you're right. Equipment seems yeah. to be uh, released a little bit and yeah, the markets are doing well. So um, yeah, we'll take what we can get. Yeah, absolutely. Well, uh, Jesse, who we got with us today? Well, I'm bringing one of our client advisors from the Southeast. He hails from Louisiana. Uh, but really takes care of our uh, dealer partners from Texas all the way over Arkansas and down even in through Florida. So I'd like to formally welcome Mr. John Kennedy, who's been part of the, the tire industry. How many years, John? 15 years. 15 years. So uh, no slouch. He's been around for a long time, and, and we, we were excited to bring John on board earlier this year. And um I think you two are going to enjoy uh, talking about some of the hot, wet conditions down in John's neck of the woods. <laughs> Absolutely. Looking forward to it. Well, John, man, nice to meet you and welcome to the show. Thank you. It's nice to meet you, Casey. So I want to spend a little, no, it's my pleasure, man. So I'll spend a little time talking about in the area that you cover, especially that, that very southeast part of the, of the country and kind of where cotton's at right now and what you're seeing going on out there right now. Some of your, some of your guys you're working with and what you're kind of hearing about <clears throat> what's going on with the cotton crop. So if you take a look at, at this last report that came out, the USDA and the WASDA report cut uh, cotton bales back quite a bit. And kind of the reports that I've been hearing and guys I've been talking with is that 
cotton's kind of slow this year. It's it's late. It's, it's moving slow, and and but also a lot of cotton acres got took it taken out of production, and, and a lot more corn got planted down south. So. I guess in your travels out there, what are some of the conversations you're having with some of the dealers out there and some of the, the end users you come across? Well, to follow up on what Jesse was saying, I cover pretty much Texas, Oklahoma to the East Coast, uh, not the nine southeastern states. Uh, this past week, I was in South Texas, which is pretty much called the Valley. There's a lot of cotton grown down in that part of the world. And you're right, they're running approximately two, three weeks behind because of all the rain that they've been having down there. They, they actually had record-setting rainfall down there, even with their corn. They were actually a little late getting their corn out because it was just so wet. But for the most part, all the yields look extremely good on corn, cotton. They're expecting a good harvest, but there has been some, some issues with the growth patterns on, on cotton because of the, all the rain. Yeah. You know, the cotton, for the most part, is a high... Uh, high temp or, or warmer temp, drier pre preferring plant. Right. And the, and the heat's been there, but there's just been too much water. So they've not really been, been picking enough. There's been a little bit of picking taking place, very little, but nobody has said anything about yields just yet. They were worried about some of the, some of the yields, but because of the wet weather, but you know, you never know until you get the machine out there. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly right. Well, wet conditions are a, uh, they they really slow down everything, whether it's harvest or planting season or whatever it might be. <clears throat> that really draws attention to flotation and what that looks like. So talk about what, what you're doing different down, especially in that area where you're talking about wet conditions anyway, and then you got rice producers and all those other things that are kind of coming into play. Talk about that a little bit and, and kind of what you see happening out there with that. Well, being from Louisiana, Arkansas, we have some pretty nasty ground over in this territory. you got that Mississippi Delta, right. very fertile ground, but it can get nasty really quick. Right. Over the course of the past two or three years here locally in our area, you know, John Deere, for the most part, has got the handle on the, on the cotton picker market. You know, Case does still build a... a what they call a basket machine. Most of those are sold overseas. There are a few here in the United, a few older machines here in the United States, but for the most part, like the CP690, your Baylor picker is, is by far the most common. It's a very, very large machine for those that don't have any uh, information on that machine, but it's very large, it's very heavy, usually runs with the uh, uh, dual wheel positions on the front, has just a pair of tires on the back. And when you take that heavy machine and stick it in some really nasty ground, it, it can wreak havoc. It, over the course of the past two or three years, we have been able to reach out to some of those guys with these pickers and actually put flotation tires on. Firestone, the old 7650-32, or as a lot of people may know it as the 1250-45-32, is really the only tire that will fit the front of that cotton picker. There's no other manufacturer out there that builds one to fit on that machine, mainly because they're too tall. Okay. So you have a very limited amount of space to work with on the front of that machine, but 
Firestone does does make a product that will work on the front of that machine. A lot of guys have that have may have a pair of those tires sitting around on their farm because it was actually a popular tire on the front of a John Deere combine. Or up until about three years ago, until Firestone came out with a flotation, a radial flotation tire, the 7650 was the go-to flotation tire from Firestone. Since then, they've come out with the radial, but the radial won't work because it's too tall. It won't fit on it. It works on a combine, but it won't work on a picker. So we've been able to address the front of the picker to get flotation up there. And for the rear of the machine, we, uh, Goodyear or Titan, makes a, an LSW that will fit the rear of that picker. It's a 104032. It, it really, and I'm telling you guys, if, if you've never seen one, the guy, in fact, whenever I was in the Valley this past week talking to those, those growers down there, the cotton growers down there, they had heard of it, but they had never seen it. And I showed them pictures of it, and they were just, they were, they were in awe at how much flotation that they can actually gain. Because just on the rear of the picker alone, you're, you're dealing with a 580-80-30, So that tire is roughly 20, 21 inches wide, which comes OE on that machine. Mm -hmm. So you're taking a tire that's 21 inches wide and you go to the LSW, which is 43 inches wide. Right, yeah. So you're basically doubling your footprint on the rear of that machine. And then you take that and combine it with the, a tire on the front that's 50 inches wide. It, re it's an, it really makes a huge difference when you get in wet conditions. <laughs> as far as flotation, yeah. as far as running up your field, there's very, very little damage to the field whenever they get done, as opposed to running jewels and singles on the rear. Yeah, that's a that's a lot of footprint there. Fifty inches on each side, plus you know forty plus in the back. Man, you're you're really uh, that's. I don't care how murky your mud, uh, murky or muddy your ground is. That's going to definitely keep you out of a out of a jam for sure. So, so that's quite an investment, right? You go you go buy those tires and you spend the money to get those things out there. What are you talking to guys about as far as you know just the maintenance on those tires and what that looks like? There's there's very very little maintenance. The beauty behind going with these particular tires, they are true well, especially on the front. Mm -hmm. They are true flotation tires. And whenever I say flotation tires, what makes a tire truly a flotation tire is you're able to increase your footprint with air with reducing your air pressure. If you if you have any tires, and I'm not gonna get into the politics of which are better than others as far as brands, but if you can't increase your footprint by reducing your air pressure, in definition, it is not truly a flotation tire. You know, if if you're you're you know, I tell guys all the time, you want to have enough air pressure to carry the weight because that's what air does is carry weight. But if you can't improve your footprint by reduction of air pressure, it's not flotation tire. Well, and so, to, to John's point too, it, it's not just can you; it's was the tire designed to do that. So whether it's the low sidewall technology John was referencing earlier, or you know, a, a increased flexion or very increased flexion tire, the point of a flotation tire is not can you reduce the air pressure because theoretically, 
you can do that with any tire and it may last a little while, but there are flotation tires now that are engineered either through sidewalls or the actual manufacturing of the rubber layers of the tire themselves to actually take that, that low air pressure and be able to handle the weight of the machine. So you'd want to look for, for a low sidewall technology, IF or VF. Those are just a couple of the key little terms you may see or hear that start to tell you, hey, this has to do with this tire being made to adjust the pressure to handle either the weight, increased weight, or increase the footprint or flotation of that tire. So sorry to interrupt, John, just throwing some of those what are industry terms out that we kind of gloss over. But, you know, it's not can you, it's should you, and was the tire designed to do that? And Jesse, you hit the nail on the head. There are, and like I said, I'm, I'm you know, as far as is is pitching certain brands, I'm, I'm, we sell lots of different brands. Mm-hmm. And I'm not here to advertise any of them. I'm just giving you the facts of, of what's capable, what you're, what's capable out there in the field. And again, like Jesse said, if a tire, it all depends on if a des- tire was designed to run at a lower air pressure to be able to grow your footprint because there is a manufacturer out there that does advertise as having a true flotation tire. But I can assure you, it doesn't matter if it has five pounds of air pressure in it or 30 pounds of air pressure in it. The footprint never changes. Mm-hmm. And in and, 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 and the, the old school I'm from, if that footprint doesn't grow or or uh, or or shrink with air pressure, it's not a flotation. Yeah. The other thing, the other thing we realized, this was about a year ago, Casey, is everybody measures that what we're calling footprint, which is just how much rubber is on the ground. Right. Everybody measures that number differently. Whether you're Firestone, Alliance, Goodyear, Michelin, they're they're all calculating that differently. We actually went over to a dealership, filled up a sprayer, filled it up, lifted it up, put it down onto a piece of paper, a huge piece of paper with the manufacturer's recommended air pressure for the weight of the machine. And then this is kind of old, good old boy school stuff. This one fancy. We took some spray paint and spray painted everywhere around the tire so we could get an accurate picture of how much tire was actually on the ground granted this is on the concrete not in a field but it would give us a really good frame of reference to john's point to how much does the air pressure actually affect how much tire is on the ground um i'd be happy to send that to any of your dealer partners just reach out to john or myself we we actually tested close to 10 different flotation tires to try to assess ourselves on a third-party independent study of how um, how the tire pressure on these flotation tires is truly affected based on following the equipment manufacturer's recommendation. So it was really interesting, eye-opening, unbiased, right? We're not here to advocate for any brand or another. They all have their strengths, but we, we learned a lot. And to John's point, there are some that performed uh, better or worse. Um, but, um, I, we've found a lot of traction when just showing guys, here's what we saw. And, and 
we've got the pictures actually hanging up in our office of all the different footprints of these IF, VF, and, and low sidewall tires. So pretty compelling. That'd be a cool sight to see. Yeah, well, I'd like to see that. That'd be. I'll send it your way too, and you can you can share it on the page or whatever as, as a reference link if you want. I'll send it your way. That'd be great. That'd be great. Well, John, let's talk about rash production a little bit. And tonight you went from being in a muddy field, and now you're going to go be in the mud on purpose. So now let's talk about <laughs> let's talk about rash for a little bit. What you see there, and and the differentiation that you have there in those tires. Well, for the most part, and it really depends on what part of the country you're in. Because there, there's there's rice ground in southern Arkansas or central and southern Arkansas. We do have some some rice here in North Louisiana. Most of your rice is grown in South Central Louisiana. Um, it really boils down to the same thing. There, I have dealt with some guys that flotation really wasn't an issue. They just needed to get their product out of people. They might have a hurricane coming. Right. And they, they always have to be ahead of a hurricane because hurricane will do two things. It'll 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 blow the blow the rice down. And this could be rice, it could be corn, it could be beans. It really doesn't matter because you can have a hurricane during any of those. But as far as rice, the ones that I've dealt with in the past. You know, some guys want flotation because they don't want to damage their field. The less damage they do, the less repair they have, you know, fuel, time, money, just labor, labor and money in general on fixing all the rutting that can occur during during wet conditions. There are some that, that that's not an issue. And, you know, I guess that's their personal choice. And then we do have the guys that want to not damage their fields. That's where they come to us for flotation. And it really boils back to either the old 7650 that I was telling you about that will that will fit the picker or the, the 1250-5032 Firestone. Um, I, I'll throw I'll throw the Goodyear Titan LSW out there because there are some guys that want a larger footprint. And they want traction, which I will admit that the, the LSW tends to have a hand up on the other brands simply because of tread design. And that that big LSW really has a nice tread. In fact, I've even talked with the Firestone engineers. I was like, guys, you know, we can sit here and pitch flotation all we want, but if a guy's really not interested that much in flotation and they want to be able to go. And, and not be running duels as a LSW said definitely got everyone beat because they have a really nice aggressive trip. So you've got two different guys, you got two different groups. You got the guys that really don't care, they just need to get their product out and they'll worry about the damage in the field later. And then you've got the ones that that you know are a little bit more conscious about labor, you know, the labor intensive work it's going to cost after harvest to repair all that. So they want flotation, and flotation enables them to go without disrupting the field as much. Yep, that's that's a good point. That's a good point. So you travel some very diverse, I mean, kind of the same but very diverse uh, landscapes, especially when you get down to Florida and the the various you know citrus growers and those kind of things, and and 
and how that differentiation in, in the way things are happening there. I guess what are some of the, the sentiments you're hearing out there as you make your travels? Pretty much as a whole right now, you know, we do basically for the most part directly with the dealership, the implement dealers themselves. And I guess, well, the number one issue is inventory. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, COVID came along and disrupted lots of things, production, labor, you know, access to materials. A lot of stuff we, we use comes from across the pond. And it, it's that, that itself has wreaked havoc. You know, these guys that are salesmen in these equipment dealerships that we cater to, they're, they're commission-based. And they're only going to make a commission if they have equipment to sell. Yep. And right now, equipment, the access to equipment is, it's, it's very bad. <laughs> and it's really just depends on who can hold on the longest. Yeah. Because, you know, you, in fact, Jesse can vouch for this. We had, we mentioned this morning in our, in our sales meeting, and he's witnessed it too. That you've got some veteran, you know, some seasoned veterans as far as salespeople that have been in this industry a long time. Lots and lots of experience. And I feel that these equipment companies and people in this industry as a whole are gonna, especially with their sales guys that are that are commission-based paid, they're gonna have to step back and 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 rethink things if they want to keep those guys around. Because if you're not making a paycheck, you're not going to stick there very long. Yeah. I mean, there's there's another dynamic to that, which you know I think you're seeing in agriculture in general too. I just got back from an industry conference with other dealer, you know, executive level type dealer positions, and the whole conference was around how to attract and retain, by the way, younger the next generation of talent, whether that be back in the service shop on the sales floor or trying to develop, you know, into, you know, manager level from within. And Casey, I think you could sit around and point the blame game, whether it's access to equipment, whether it's uh, pricing, whether it's, you know, COVID, whatever you want. I think that is the new, that's the new challenge. It's how do we, if the changing of the guard is going to happen, these guys that have been selling equipment one way, to the same farmers for 40, 50 years, they're going to be done soon, whether it's forced on them or not. How do we build a culture, which was a huge buzzword, a development program? How do we train these guys up and give them a place that they not only can see themselves succeeding, uh, but that they feel fulfilled in doing so? And so there's a lot more to it than the paycheck. Yeah. Certainly part of it. But we heard these guys, and, and these were red dealers, green dealers, orange dealers, all in a circle going, help, I need help. I need help figuring out how to develop my talent and find new talent. Um, and so I think you're going to see a lot of, uh, turnover is kind of a nasty word, but I think you're just going to see a lot of creative thinking as it relates to, um, you know, talent management, development, and some of those things, which obviously affects selling equipment, right? Because you got to get these guys in there and trained and building relationships with these, with these growers, which is, goes a long way as we all know in this industry so it'll it'll be interesting to see you know how all of this plays and it's it's not one domino it's eight dominoes all on different tracks that affect yeah. 
I think what's going to happen. So the answer is complicated, I guess, is the way to short way to answer that. Yeah. And I'll say, uh, I've talked about it quite a bit on here on this podcast about um, the, uh, the generational crossroads that we're up against. And it's not so yeah. much even at the dealership level, it's out, it's out on the, the producer level too. If you really step back and think about it, um, you have, you know, dad or grandpa, whoever that is, is, is stepping away from, from doing a lot of decision making, trying to pass it on to the, to the next generation coming in and you know the same guy that's been calling on you know dad and grandpa for the past 30 years is now dealing with the 20 something or the 30 something that grew up with the internet been going out and be able to buy a tractor or a car or whatever you know amazon's not a big deal i don't i don't mind buying something sight unseen making all that work and i'm gonna price check everything that you send me because i can do it now i, I can jump on the internet and i can get 13 different quotes in the matter of a, of an afternoon of, of, of whatever, whatever it is that you're going to try to sell me. And, um, uh, you know, by the way, I'm kind of a smart guy, so I'm going to let you know that too. And I got some big shoes to fill on the farm. So I'm going to, I'm going to step in and start swinging a little bit. And, and, uh, it's hard for that, that guy that's always dealt with one way of, of looking at something. Um, you know, I've said several times that the, the technology gap between, between dad and grandpa was nothing like it was between dad and, and son or daughter that's coming back to the farm. Now there's nothing that's true. remotely close to, to the same, because if you really look at all the technology and, and everything that's going on with equipment and the way the technology is now working with equipment and how much information you can push to the cloud while you're out in the field and all the data that you can collect, it's a whole different thing. And it takes a whole different mindset to work with that. And it's a, it's a much of a training curve to, to deal with and maintain the employees we have at the dealership as much as it is how to interact with the, the characters that you have, the new characters you have coming into the show now um, and what that looks like. So I think it's just a, kind of a big upheaval altogether in this whole, this whole industry of, of, you know, the changing of the guard, like you put it, you know, there's, that whole upheaval of what that looks like and how it moves forward with. So there's, there's going to be some exciting times over the next five years. There's going to be some very devastating times too, just because of either you're going to change with the times and you're going to get yourself staff ready to go and move forward with it. Or if you don't, you know, it's been, it's been fun. So we'll, we'll catch yeah, you. I mean, catch you next time around. Baked into all those dynamics are, are certainly a lot of challenges. Uh, and, and, we're not in a race for more information. Access to information is not our issue, right? No. A quick Google search will return thousands of, you know, differing opinions on whatever question you're trying to answer. I think we're in a race, Casey, for clarity. Yeah. And I, I think there's, I think there's some, some good news in there because it will come back to stop trying to sell me and come alongside and support me. Right. And so if these guys already have access, this new generation already has access to the information. What will become most important, I believe, is this pendulum swing back to do I feel supported by either my dealership, a partner like Axon, or who, what resources are you bringing to the table to help me sort through all this information? Yeah. I think those are the companies and the dealers that are going to make it. And as we know, in the dealer space, the bigger guys are only getting bigger. Yeah. Right. What, what, you know, five location dealership used to be a decent size. And I think, you know, it's now your 15, 20 location dealers that are looking to even acquire those ones. Right. And you're, so you're going to, you're going to see a lot of this stuff and how do we support our customers 
through access to all this information, I think is going to be where you see people begin to differentiate themselves. Because you asked a simple question like, what is flotation? And we just talked for 25 minutes about the different dynamics that go into answering that one question. Right. Um, so that's where access to trusted advisors, I think, is going to pendulum swing back. And it's the people that can help their, their growers sort through that information. And yeah. John, I'm sure you've talked to third, fourth, fifth generation farmers who are making different decisions. And I think the other good news in this change is the willingness to think differently. It's, it's not complete open-mindedness, but a lot of that open-mindedness is being forced onto this new generation. So how do we come alongside and help mitigate and manage that risk? And so I, I actually think that's a breath of fresh air. Right, that willingness to think differently about solving problems, I think, could be a really good, healthy thing for this industry. And guys, I'm not to beat this horse slap to death, but this morning, <laughs> this morning, prime example, I took a call. In fact, in fact, I had to reach out to one of my dealers for some help. I had a question or two. Whenever I was on the phone with him, I just asked him how things were going. He's in Arkansas, dealer in Arkansas. And man, he was just—he's whipped. He is beat down. He said, "Man, it's just so hard to stay positive." And he said, "In fact, and this gentleman's older. He's believe it or not, he's retirement age, but he's kept working because he's loved this business. Mm-hmm. He just enjoyed it, and he wanted to keep doing it." But his exact words were, "December thirty-first is my last day." He said, "I will go from 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 the retail side." to selling used equipment only part-time whenever I want to do it. So there, this, this, you know, the community, the farming community is going to lose a seasoned professional when it comes to equipment dealers. He said part of the reason for, for the doom and gloom is the service side. They can't keep service techs, mechanics. Mm-hmm. And like Jesse said, when they were at their summit, week or so ago, they were talking about reaching out to these young people straight out of high school. Not everybody who graduated high school is college material. You know, we need plumbers, we need electricians, we need mechanics. And that is the perfect time. And the, and the industry is going to be set up to where it's the future is going to be wide open for these guys. It's, it's not if you want to go to work, it's where do you want to go to work? Mm-hmm. And, and and they're going to pay, be paying these guys good because it's going to be it's going to be to the point where if you want you you want help and you want dedicated committed help you're going to pay them good yeah and these guys there will the, the question is though how long can can we can we hold on and ultimately the end game is to take care of the customer right no matter what if we're selling tires we're selling equipment. Or if we're, we're selling service, taking care of that customer is the end goal. That's that's the main main goal. Yep. Absolutely right. Yeah, that's what it boils down to, and that's what uh, the thing is. And kind of back to your point, Jesse, is uh, on the clarity side of it is there's a there's a lot of information out there that you have to sift through, and these guys are looking for someone to tell them the difference between the seven different flotation tires they've got out there and which one actually is. The one that's going to work best for their situation. That's, that's, that's right. what they want. You know, they don't, they don't, I don't think anyone's married to a brand anymore. I think, I mean, obviously there's brands out there that people are going to 
gravitate towards and those kind of things. But if this widget is going to do make me more money or make me more whatever efficient or whatever it is, I'm going to probably go with that one, irregardless of what has been on the farm for the past you know fifty years. This is you're going to start mm-hmm. with these different options, and that's a that's a big point as we drive forward through this this uh, generational exchange, you know, passing of the baton here and, and what that looks like moving forward. And, and uh, these operations, whether they're on the dealership side or whether they're the, the producer side, are going to continue to grow. And um, this is one of those times where technology is not going to be readily available to everybody. Just be just like, you know, whether it's a sack of seed corn or a tote of seed corn, that's been pretty readily available to everybody. Um, we start looking at technology on equipment. That's a whole other thing, and and that technology is going to be kind of the uh, the cream that start to rise to the top, and that's going to start separating um, operations from each other. So it's going to be interesting to see how this plays out uh, over the next five to fifteen years, twenty years from now. Yeah, and I would say in the meantime, keep your friends close as you can. You know, find that trusted advisor in that yeah. corner of your business, whether it's a mentor or you know even one of our guys. We happen to sell tires and wheels, Casey, but at the end of the day, we're here to support dealerships. And so find right now when times are tough and you feel whipped, find those trusted advisors, whether it's just let's grab a cup of coffee and complain together or help me through the situation and think differently about it. I mean, this is when you need that. And I, 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 that's really, that's going to differentiate and, and I think help a lot of people through this time. Absolutely. Casey, touching base back on, you know, the, the conversation started with flotation. Flotation is all about air pressure. We discussed that. But I guess the biggest, the biggest key or tool or piece of information I think I can share today with anybody who listens to this podcast, air pressure, air pressure, air pressure. Air pressure determines compaction, soil compaction. Soil compaction ultimately affects your yield. The more compaction you have, the lower your yields are going to be. And I think for the most part, that's what these guys, (laughs) these guys go stick seed in the ground to grow a plant. It's going to increase their yields as much. I mean, that's what they're looking for, yield. And air pressure is what directly, there's nothing more that a farmer can do to affect his yields besides fertilizer, and water is air pressure in their equipment. Because the old school that I came from, my my mentor, whenever I got into the ag side of the tire business 10 years ago, I rode with a gentleman for an exactly a year, every week for a year. Believe me, I heard a lot of the stories, same stories, over and over and over until my ears were about to fall outside of my head. But one thing that he did, and he had been in this business for a long time, and the best way to figure compaction with air pressure, very, very, very simple formula. It came from some university that studied air pressure and soil compaction. The closest exact science that they could come out down with was air pressure plus two. Doesn't matter if it's on a bicycle, a, a disc, a planter, a combine or a tractor, or even a pickup truck for that fact. Air pressure plus two is what figures your soil compaction per square inch. 
So the least amount of air pressure, you always want to run the least amount of air pressure in your tires as possible to carry that load because you want to keep your compaction as low as possible. And what's crazy is most of the equipment, not brand specific, they all do it. Most of the extractors that come directly from the, the factory to a dealership, the day that it's unloaded off the truck at that dealership, I, I, I dare to say 95%, I'd say 100% of that equipment has, has tires that are overinflated. I mean, I've checked tractors. They come even with a set of jewels on the front, set of jewels on the rear. They're maxed out. They're 30 PSI. And nobody ever thinks to check the air pressure in those tires. The only time anybody ever thinks about air pressure is when they look out there and it looks like it's flat. That's the only time anybody ever thinks about air pressure is when it looks flat. And what that does is if nobody ever checks it, you look at air pressure plus two. So that tire's got 30 pounds of air pressure in it. You're looking at approximately 32 pounds per square inch of soil compaction. When in all reality, you know, I always get that's the billion dollar question. You know, how much air am I supposed to be running in my, in, in my tires? Well, how much axle weight do you have on? You know, how much load are you carrying? What is the axle weight on that tractor? Well, I really don't know. Well, I'm sorry, but I can't tell you where your air pressure is supposed to be because all air does is carry the load and I need to know how much your load is. So for a rule of thumb, and you know, I hope somebody doesn't call me up one day and say, John Kennedy, you were wrong. <laughs> but I, I, I tell people, you know, if you're running duels on the front of a tractor, which most guys here in the South run duels on the front and the rear, because they need that flotation. They want to keep the rutting down and they carry it, you know, saddle tanks or, or nose tanks on their tractors. They're carrying heavily, heavy implements on the back. So they need those duels. But I tell guys all the time, you know, generally 17 pounds is a per tire is a pretty safe figure. Unless you're going to pick up a, a 12 row planter up and drive 20 miles down the road and your heat tires are going to heat up, yes, you need to get your air pressure up. You probably need to be up around, probably around 25 to keep from damaging your tires. But when you're in the field, when you're in the field with no weight on that tractor, you could probably be down around 12 PSI. So you think 12 PSI plus two, that's 14 pounds per square inch of compaction in your soil. 14, as opposed to the guys who never check their air pressure, and are running 32. That's more than double the soil compaction just because they did check the air pressure in the top, which was as ultimately, dude, they're pounding that ground. Yep. And, 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 and that's, I think that is the most valuable piece of information I can pass on to any person out there in this industry. So many of these machines now are coming with uh, tire pressure. You know, you can you can raise and lower the tire pressure from inside the cab, depending on the situation that you're in, and and monitoring yep. those things. That is coming. Yeah, that so. is coming. You can actually do that in some of the European tractors right now. Mm -hmm. um, I know one of the one of engineers, one of Firestone's engineers, Ken Broadbeck, uh, out of Des Moines. He was uh, he's retired now, but he actually designed. 
uh, an onboard air, an aftermarket onboard inflation system for tractors. It, it's out there. Yep. You can you can get it, and 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 I would think that one day that you know that is probably going to be the most valuable option you will ever be able to get besides GPS guidance. Onboard air up system will be the most valuable option you will be able to get on a track. Yep. It'll yep. really affect your you. Yep, absolutely. And you're seeing it on planters, you're seeing it on tractors, you're seeing it on combines. I mean, you're you're starting to see more and more stuff pop up. So yeah, soil compaction is a big deal. And we got more and more people that are concerned about that just from the, the sheer agronomic side of it. Not so much the tire life, but the agronomic side of the yield mm-hmm. that. So that and axle weights. Yeah. In order to know where your air pressure needs to be, you need to know your axle weight. And and like here in Louisiana, we you know we're big in the forestry business down in this part of the world. And on a semi, you they actually have axle weights on these trailers because if they go into a mill overloaded, a lot of times they won't get paid for that. They they can only go in that mill with a certain amount of weight. Say they can only go in there with 80,000 80, pounds. If they go into that mill with eighty thousand more than eighty thousand pounds, guess what? They don't get paid on. It. So these guys have come up with a with a scale system that actually attached to the actual their truck. So where they're out in the out out on the job site on the clearing site and they're getting loaded, they can sit there and look on the dash and there's a there's a digital LED meter that tells them exactly what their weight is. So they don't give wood away when they get to the mill. That same technology needs to be implemented on these tractors. So when they are hooked to an implement on that rear axle, the only way they know where their air pressure needs to be, they need to know axle weight. Mm-hmm. So that's another valuable tool that that these manufacturers, these equipment manufacturers need to look at. Yeah. And of course, that doesn't that you know, guys, that this this technology and the, the these tools aren't free. They're gonna they're gonna have to pay for them. Yeah. But I still say, besides uh, the GPS systems and and uh, the the NCAP inflation system, those are the two most important things that they can get on a on a piece of equipment. Yeah. So if we if we see these developed here in the next ninety days, that means they heard it here first on the Moving Iron podcast. Right here. Oh, my God. <laughs> how, John, how do how do how do we get a hold of you for royalties? Can you tell Casey's? Uh, listeners, how to get a hold of John Kennedy for either royalty information on your on your ideas, or all kidding aside, uh, support with some of these questions. How do they best get a hold of you, John? Uh, the best way to do uh, I can I can give you a phone number, or you know, just reach out to Axon in Des Moines, Iowa. We all of us sales guys have territories. You can go to axon.com. And, and all of our information, each sales guy for each territory, all of our information is on that site. So it doesn't matter what part of the world uh, or the country you're listening from right now, you can you can, you will be able to get in touch with your local sales guy or local rep. Just go to uh, axon.com and, and just go to the salespeople and all of us are there. All of our contact information is there. Yep, it's Axon Tire. Tire, I'm sorry. My I'll, bad. I'll give I'll give you two more specific. So if you want to get a hold of John, call 888-980-1208. That's 888-980-1208. We can route those calls right to John. Or you can 
simply send an email to sales at axontire.com. We'll make it sure it gets over to John. Again, if you're in the Southeast Territory, John, will you list out your states? You know those offhand by heart. What are your states? Texas, Oklahoma, Arkansas, Louisiana, Mississippi, Alabama, Georgia, South Carolina, and Florida. All right. So if you're listening from the beach somewhere in any of those states, make sure you reach out to John um, and he'll get you hooked up and answer questions. So that's what we're all about. I wouldn't give you guys my current mobile number, but I'm getting a new company phone and it's going to have a new number and I don't even know what it is right now. So anyway, yeah, just go to axontire.com or like he said, it's 888-980-1208 and that'll, that'll get you in touch with me. But you can go to axontire.com. All of our sales guys are listed. If you're in the Northeast, you can find the guy that, that covers the Northeast. Daniel, well, good stuff, fellas. Thanks for being on the podcast. Man, I appreciate Justin, hey, you having me. Thanks for asking can, me to be on. Can I give away more free stuff, Casey? I've got some really cool stuff this time. I'll let you. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So I, I don't know if this is going on the internet. And so if it's not and you're listening, I'm going to give away a cool, what like, I don't know, the best way to describe this is a desk pad. You can put this on your desk, use it for a mouse pad, or set it on your service counter. And this is a tool. Uh, so on this, you'll see all of the load index conversions on this side. And so this helps you determine from a lot of the things John was talking about. Based on the load that this tire was designed for, what should some of the things like my tire pressure be? So we've got all those conversion tables right here. Along the bottom, we've got the different, John was talking about some of those mean aggressive tread types. We've got all of those little designations here from R1, R1W, et cetera. So we've got that little tool. One of my favorites is the speed index. So what are the letters on the side of your tire? They tell you how fast that tire was designed to run at, right? Because that creates friction, which creates heat, which causes that rubber to expand. So your load indexes are right here. Uh, and then we've got, for some weird reason, a lot of these tires have metric to inches and the combination of both. So we've got a really helpful inches to millimeter guide right here as well. Then on the side, we've got literally what all the numbers and letters of the tires uh, mean right there. So really helpful guy. You know, it's funny. We can tell when we get calls from people if they've got one of these sitting on their desks because they're rattling off all the correct numbers and weights and measurements. You must have one of our uh, desk pads sitting next to you. So we find our guys love these. So I'm going to give away a desk pad. you got to reach out on our website. Just mention you heard that here. But because... We're in a, this is just a tough time. John mentioned a lot of these guys are whipped. I'm going to include an Axon coffee cup. This will help you get through those days when you feel whipped. So I'm going to give away these two things to all of your listeners. Just go to axontire.com. Tell them you want your free gift because you heard it on the Moving Iron podcast, and we'll hook you up. So there you go, my free gift this month. I'm logging on the website right now. Give me, give me a coffee cup. <laughs> That's man. That looks good. That's some pretty cool stuff there. So, so yeah. Well, guys, I appreciate you being on the podcast. A lot of great information as usual. Jesse, folks want to reach out to you directly and get some information about Axon Tire. What's the best place to do that? Uh, my, my email address is jesse, J-E-S-S-E dot Peters at axontire.com. Like John said, just go to our website. We've got like eight different forms on there. You don't have to look very hard. Just say, hey, I'm trying to go with Jesse. I'd see all those come through and, and I'll make sure they're taken care of. Or... Just pop by our booth at the at the event in uh, 
a couple of weeks now, a month away. Here we are. <laughs> yep. So. so they'll be at the Moving Iron Podcast or Moving Iron Podcast, Moving Iron Summit, Nashville, Tennessee. Uh, Jesse and the gang will be there and uh, stop by the booth, check them out. And uh, they'll have a lot of great information. I'm sure they'll have uh, some desk pad stuff there to give away as well. So check, make sure all, kind of, all, all kinds of good stuff. Absolutely good stuff. Well, uh, I am Casey Seymour with Moving Iron Podcast. Make sure you uh, go to movingironllc.com to get all the latest information about what's going on out there. And also check me out on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and you'll find all my information out there as well, too. So with that, I am Casey Seymour with John and Jesse. Let's go be smart, folks. Thanks, guys. You want to have a meaningful competitive advantage to help sell more equipment. Whether you represent the sales, parts, or management department of an implement dealership, there's a surprising amount of complexity when it comes to tire, wheel, and track technology. Let Axon worry about that so you can get back to supporting your customers. Axon has leveraged years of experience to create a streamlined process that gives you a proven path to help today's grower and sell more equipment. The roots of their organization go back almost 100 years to the invention of the rubber tractor tire. Supporting agriculture is the number one driver of Axon from product development through sales and service. To find more or become an Axon dealer, Head over to axontire.com. Moving iron in the 21st century. Hardworking people working hard for.